Thank you for joining me for today's Beastwatch News Update. News from the Internet's most comprehensive Bible prophecy news website, BeastwatchNews.com. I'm Kimberly Rogers Brown. Believe it or not, the chaos that is rising in America and globally can be boiled down to a few simple factors, all of which are fulfilling prophecies and prophetic patterns. You probably realize by now that you have found yourself an active participant in a war, one not of your making but created by an ever-widening split between the ideologies of the left and right. And not only are you in a war not of your own making, but you are the target. The problem with this war is that the enemy may or may not be easily identifiable. America is not the only place where this war is being waged, but this report will focus on America because the problems in America have already spread around the globe. For instance, to Myanmar, where this past week there was a military takeover of the country because of election fraud from their November 8, 2020 election. Sound familiar? And yes, Dominion voting machines were used there. President Joe Biden is freaking out because if it can happen there, it can happen in America. It has been for decades that the rot happening in America has spread to the rest of the world, both among the modern Western nations and to the third world countries. America leads the world in everything that is going wrong on the earth. America, through President Donald Trump, opened the door to the final phase running up to the last seven years that man has to mess up everything before Yeshua comes. So now the world finds itself with two ideologies that are now at war with each other. Their respective adherents do not wear uniforms. They are only identifiable by the hatred spewed from the left to the right. But don't take that as a statement that I am saying the right is a victim of the left. Oh no, the right has had its hands in the mud too. The left's ideology is mostly secular and atheistic. The right is mostly religious. And these, of course, are the broad strokes. President Donald Trump's presidency did not start the widening rift between the left and right, he merely escalated it by uniting two religious ideologies, Judaism and Christianity. Under his presidency, Jews and evangelicals united in a way not seen before in modern history. Trump appealed to both religious groups who actually have the same agenda to make Jerusalem the capital of the earth, thus fulfilling Apostle John's vision in the book of Revelation about the rise of mystery Babylon. You've heard me say much about the rise of Jerusalem as Mystery Babylon over the last two and a half years after the modern UN-created State of Israel passed its Jewish State Bill in July 2018, making Israel a Jewish-only state. Trump's Jerusalem policy made this possible. 
the Jewish Kabad Cabal now pushes Jewish supremacy and is actively engaged in gathering converts from other religions in a man-made in-gathering of the Jewish kind. But there is another religious entity across the Atlantic from Israel that has been hiding behind various names since the 1970s and Ronald Reagan's time, without which most of this would not have been made possible. This religious movement has hidden behind the names Moral Majority, Christian Right, and more particularly and recently, Christian Zionism, also known as Christian Dominionism. Christian Dominionism or Zionism is a Christian supremacy doctrine, one that matches Jewish supremacy doctrine in ferocity. Unlike Jews who claim all of Israel for themselves, Christian Dominionists or Zionists are happy to help the Jews achieve this because the Christian Dominionists will be holding down the fort until Jesus comes to take them to the place of their inheritance, heaven. Christian Dominionists believe they must control the seven mountains or cultural areas of American and global life, family, religion, education, media, entertainment, business, and government, and to help the religious Jews achieve Israel being a religious Jewish-only state. Thus, the end times rebellious houses of Israel and Judah are finally united in a cause, the handing over of all Israel to just the four tribes out of the twelve that the Jews recognize as being with them. This article, titled Hidden in Plain Sight, Dominion Theology, Spiritual Warfare, and Violence in Latin America, applies to the U.S. also, since Christian Dominionism imposes its moral right to rule in all nations. Whereas the Jews want everyone to gather in the UN-created Jewish-only state of Israel, Christian Dominionism wants to dominate the rest of the world. Effectively, this two-horned beast of Revelation 13 verses 11 to 18 wants to divide the globe between them. I will explain the prophetic significance of this in a minute and how Yahweh plans to handle these two groups of his people. The article states that in Latin America, evangelicals have entered the political arena in force. Many are motivated by Dominion Theology, a long-hidden movement that works to bring a network of conservative Christians to political power in order to effect dominion over the earth to hasten the kingdom of God. Although its origins are in the United States, this is a global movement hidden in plain sight. Let me reiterate that Latin American evangelicals were led into the political arena by American evangelicals. Thus, I will use this article to describe what has happened in America because it happened in America first. Dominion theology demands the politicization of the faith to reconstruct a godly society from the rubble of secular liberalism.
Dominion theology claims that evangelical Christians are charged by God to claim dominion over their home nations, if not the entire world. This may seem correct to those practicing religion, but to those who understand that Yahweh did not create a religion, he created a nation. It will be understood that anything man's religions do will only worsen mankind's situation before Yahweh. These two religions are the horns on the second beast of Revelation 13 who both claim the Lamb, Judaism through Passover, which Christians don't observe, and the cross symbol of Yeshua, the Lamb of God. The politicization of dominionism slash Zionism started the rift in American politics in the 1970s, came to the forefront under Reagan's moral majority, and has continued to strengthen since then. And no, I am not saying the left are victims. I'll get to them in a minute. This two-horned beast of Judaism and Christianity will cause the rise of the Antichrist because Judaism is looking for a Messiah of its own making, according to John 5.43, and Christians want to see the return of Jesus. The latter will be deceived by the Christian perceived closeness between the Jews and themselves. The Jews will convince Christians that the coming Jewish Messiah who will actually be the Antichrist is the one the Christian Dominionist Zionists have been expecting now back to the article the principal goal of Dominion theology and the seven mountain mandate is the political and religious domination of the world country by country through the implementation of the moral laws and sanctions of the Bible particularly of the Old Testament all except the correct Sabbath, of course, in those dietary laws, they have to go. Oh, and the observing the seven feasts of Yahweh instead of Christmas and Easter. Oh, oh, and then being sure to only observe those feasts in Jerusalem. Aside from that and a few other laws Christians know nothing about, they want to impose some of the things they agree with from the Old Testament on the whole world. The prophetic significance of this is found in the Old Testament. History is prophecy. These two religions, Judaism and Christianity, are descended from ancient Israel's split kingdom and its house of Judah and house of Israel. Both religions are at once united with each other, yet at war with each other, and like their ancient Israelite forebears, continue in their various rebellions against Yahweh's Torah. America is the end times headquarters and leader of the globally scattered Ephraimites, and the current state of affairs in America is repeating a biblical pattern established in ancient Israel through the infighting between the various factions wherein wars were fought and kings of Israel were assassinated. King Nadab was killed by Basha. King Ella was killed by Zimri. King Zimri was killed by Omri. Joran killed Jehu. King Zechariah was killed by Shalom. Shalom was killed by Menahem. King Pekahiah was killed by Pekah. 
The infighting that happened in ancient Israel has been repeated in every country where the Israelites were scattered throughout world history and it is now happening again in America. This infighting has led to the deaths of American presidents Abraham Lincoln, James Garfield, William McKinley and John F. Kennedy. Additionally, two presidents have been injured in attempted assassinations Theodore Roosevelt and Ronald Reagan. The house of Judah are the Jews. They are scattered around the world in all countries too, but now the state of Israel encourages them to make Aliyah to occupy the land from where they plan to rule the world. Neither contingent of this two-horned beast has explained how they will both rule the world from their various capitals, Jerusalem and Washington, D.C. The problem for this two-horned beast is that mankind has reached the end of the line. We are now in the 120th Jubilee that Yahweh promised to Noah in Genesis 6.3. This time the violence and chaos will be such that Yeshua will have to come rescue his bride, the Israelite remnant, or they will all die according to Matthew 24.22 and Mark 13.20. This trouble is only beginning and will continue to escalate. The modern UN-created state of Israel is in turmoil with its fourth election. It appears that the long-shot runner, Yair Lapid, is now in direct opposition to Netanyahu, something few in Israel saw coming. It may be that the leftist, non-religious, secular Lapid will do in Israel what Biden did in America. Lapid may take the reins from the religious right in Israel and turn it to the left as well. Eventually the Jewish people will tire of the turmoil and rise up like the ancient Israelites did and ask for a king to be set over them like they did in 1 Samuel 8.5. The nation Sanhedrin will be happy to trot out the Messiah of their own making also known as the Antichrist. The appearance of this Jewish Messiah will trigger the seven year tribulation. The tribulation's purpose is to destroy the religions of Israel, and not only Judaism and Christianity, but Islam too. The tribulation is not for punishing the nations, it is for punishing Yahweh's people who are still rejecting him and continuing in their rebellion against the covenant they made at Mount Sinai over 3,500 years ago. The nations will be punished because they also have a wicked agenda, which is to destroy all of Jacob's descendants. Donald Trump played in both circles, Judaism and Christianity. And because of him, the two-horned beast rose up. He united Jews and Christians into a single cause, that of making Jerusalem Israel's capital but also escalated their separate causes which opened the door for Israel to be a Jewish only state while promoting the cause of Christian dominionism in America and inspiring it across the globe now that very generalized and brief overview of the kingdom's perspective of the right side of politics 
We'll now be countered with an even more brief overview of the left's secular agenda, which is really quite simple. The left wants nothing to do with God, even those who claim to believe in God. They only want to relegate belief in God to the realm of ancient and modern mythology. It is okay to believe in God if one must, but it is not okay to claim that God has any rules for living and that we all need to live by them. Rather, for them, it is man who makes the rules. It turns out, though, that the left is violent and vicious in ways that our generation did not imagine. They are possessed of the Leviathan twisting spirit. One way they twist things to their liking is to change the definition of words, words like gender and unity. These now mean a man can be a woman and a woman can be a man and the unity part is that everyone must agree or be persecuted for disagreeing. The left cries white supremacist everywhere. Why? This is a reference to the two-horned beast with its two separate Jewish and Christian supremacy doctrines. The Leviathan spirit is trying to bite the head off of the two-horned beast. The battle in America also rages all over the globe. On the world stage are the two communist ideologies, Russian Bolshevik communism and Chinese Maoist communism. These two countries are involved in wars and skirmishes everywhere, trying to push their separate ideologies. Russian Bolshevik communism tolerates Judaism and Christianity today, even though that was not the case in the past. In fact, Putin has been working with the religious Jews and Christians for decades. As Russian Bolshevik communism evolved into more tolerance for religion, Chinese Maoist communism has evolved into greater intolerance of religion. Russian Bolshevik communism shares much in common with Judaism's Kabbalah. You can go see the link, uh, the linked superscript articles there, while the Chinese Maoist communism is atheistic. The right knows there is a God and that there are rules. They just don't understand them, and they don't want to obey them, even if they do understand them just like their House of Israel ancestors. The left, however, doesn't buy it, nor do they want to hear it. Because the right speaks so loudly about morals from the Bible, the left just wants to kill everyone on the right. To this end, the first battle in this war is called cancel culture. The left are now coming after the right both nationally and individually. In this Democrat blueprint by the Secular Democrats of America that was given to Joe Biden in November 2020, we read, We ask that you counter this movement's narrative by actively working to dismantle its grip on our government and counter its inaccurate and revisionist messaging around our nation's founding. It is no longer enough just to champion the rights of minorities and marginalized communities or to promote inclusion and equality. 
We urge you to champion America's original constitutional secularism and the separation of church and state as core governing principles that protect religious freedom for people of all faiths and none at all. This movement is a reference to the right and its religious dominionist ideology. The rise of white Christian nationalism is a national security threat, says this paper. We recommend you encourage the Department of Homeland Security and Department of Justice to dedicate resources to de-radicalization programs aimed at hate groups, including but not limited to white nationalists, increase monitoring of such groups, including the online environment, and take action to address increased hate crimes toward minority faith communities and shift rhetoric to label violence white nationalist extremists as terrorists folks this has already been done the DHS has already stepped in which I will show you in a moment there in this paper they define what they're fighting against Christians the blueprint goes on to say that thousands of people of all religious faiths and none at all are suffering under religious oppression, including imprisonment, execution, and state-sanctioned mob violence for blasphemy, heresy, and apostasy all over the world. The United States and its allies should take the lead in freeing people from religious imprisonment and persecution and defending the dignity and equal rights of all believers and non-believers at home and abroad. They then ask Biden to work with Congress to pass the House Resolution 512 and Senate Resolution 458, a bipartisan resolution that calls for the global repeal of blasphemy, apostasy, and heresy laws. There is so much wrong with the leftists' brains that I barely know where to begin. They're calling for the U.S. government to stop Christianity in America through persecution of Christians, and then they call for the opposite, the stopping of persecution. The flaw in the legislation they called for is that the U.S. does not have legislative authority over the entire globe. As a world leader, the U.S. can encourage other nations to follow, but it cannot legislate laws in other nations. It is clear that the left wants to do away with the right. Not unity is what they want, but conformity. It will either be conformity or misery and possibly death. This war between the left and right is not limited to America. It is global, and it is against America, the nation, too. The lesser battles may be fought within national borders like Myanmar, America, and elsewhere, but there is a greater war starting a global one. Let's examine the global left's Maoist Chinese that have been coming after America with the help of the Obama and Biden administrations. This Epoch Times article, Beijing tells Biden administration to play by the CCP's rules, says China's top diplomat, Yang Zixi, 
warned the Biden administration not to cross Beijing's red line in a half-hour speech on the evening of February 1st. The United States should stop interference in the affairs of Hong Kong, Tibet, and Xinjiang, Yang said, calling the issues regarding the three regions China's internal affairs. Yang added, they constitute a red line that must not be crossed. Any trespassing would upend, undermining China-U.S. relations and the United States' own interests. And of course, it is okay for China to interfere in the U.S. and U.S. elections and so forth. And, you know, they do have a precedent for this because the Obama and Biden administrations have been in the process of handing over America's economy along with its security to the Chinese for almost 12 years now. Yang called on the Biden administration to restore the China-U.S. relationship to a predictable and constructive track of development. He named areas in which he said the two countries could cooperate, including drug control and cybersecurity. Read between the lines. Yang wants as much legal access as it can get to U.S. cybersecurity information and for the U.S. to engage with China in its false flag drug war against the U.S. These are the two excuses that the Chinese have provided Biden with for establishing closer ties with China to further his China pivot, not to mention any more about the shutting down of the Keystone Pipeline, which will likely become an inroad for the CCP to establish its Belt and Road Initiative on American soil with low-paying solar and wind jobs, which Americans won't won't take, which will in turn make it necessary for the CCP to import Chinese workers into America. How do you like that run-on sentence? I talked about all that last week. China is the largest source of illicit fentanyl and fentanyl-like substances in the U.S. According to data from the U.S. National Institute on Drug Abuse, There were 70,630 drug overdoses in the United States in 2019. The majority of the deaths were related to the use of fentanyl. Fentanyl is 100 times more potent than morphine and 50 times more powerful than heroin. As little as 2 milligrams is considered a lethal dosage for most people. And now... China has also brought SARS-CoV-2 onto the world stage to help Biden overthrow Trump's rightist presidency. While China pushes on Biden, Biden and the left Democrats are pushing on DVEs, domestic violent extremists, and that's those on the religious right. The Acting Secretary of Homeland Security has issued a National Terrorism Advisory System Bulletin on January 27, 2021, due to a heightened threat environment across the United States, which DHS, see I said DHS has gotten involved, which DHS believes will persist in the weeks following the successful presidential inauguration.
Throughout 2020, domestic violent extremists targeted individuals with opposing views engaged in First Amendment protected nonviolent protest activity. They're talking about those protests that their Leviathan spirit insists were peaceful. You know, you remember those protests that burned cities and killed dozens of people, including police. DVEs motivated by a range of issues, including anger over COVID-19 restrictions, the 2020 election results, and now we're really getting to it, and police use of force have plotted and on occasion carried out attacks against government facilities. See who they're talking about. Those who attacked the government facilities. Burning cities and killing police by leftist protesters, oh say, you know, in Portland, was okay. But as soon as someone on the right goes for the head of Leviathan, you know, the democratic left, suddenly that is not okay. Long-standing racial and ethnic tension, including opposition to immigration, has driven DVE attacks, including a 2019 shooting in El Paso, Texas, that killed 23 people. DHS is concerned these same drivers to violence will remain through early 2021, and some DVEs may be emboldened by the January 6, 2021 breach of the U.S. Capitol building in Washington, D.C. to target elected officials and government facilities. DHS remains concerned that homegrown violent extremists, now those are HVEs, inspired by foreign terrorist groups who committed three attacks targeting government officials in 2020, remain a threat. You know, these are homegrown extremists like those who attacked the Capitol building. Those extremists are influenced by unnamed foreign terrorist groups. However, the left is proud to announce online the foreign entities, (coughs) China, backing Antifa and Black Lives Matters groups. But that's okay because the left's ally China only has America's best interests at heart, don't you know? Threats of violence against critical infrastructure, including the electric, telecommunications, and healthcare sectors, increased in 2020 with violent extremists citing misinformation and conspiracy theories about COVID-19 for their actions. This may be DHS's way of giving some small inclusion about the left's protests, but it also provides an excuse for their actions, COVID restrictions. The only excuse for the right is their damned religion. DHS, as well as other federal agencies and law enforcement partners, will continue to take precautions to protect people and infrastructure across the United States. DHS remains committed to preventing violence and threats meant to intimidate or coerce specific populations on the basis of their religion, race, ethnicity, identity, or political views. Which specific population does this memo target? Those speaking against the left or those speaking against the right? We are already seeing that speaking against the left is now prohibited for the right. 
but going beyond speaking against the right by the left into actual persecution is supported by the left. The left blames Trump for the incitement, but the Obama era, with its agenda to destroy America and turn it into a Maoist communist nation where religious people can be put to death for their beliefs, is the real culprit. The attack on the U.S. Capitol building was driven by fear and anger. The leftist protests of 2020 were created to instigate war. Now that the left has it, they justify their instigation as the right thing to have done. Right-wing U.S. individual citizens, religious or just simply conservative, are being persecuted now. Here is something Tucker Carlson had to say about it this week. Well, it looks like this is the part of the revolution where they start throwing their political opponents in jail. Wow, that was fast. It was just a week ago they were telling us about unity. Remember that? What we didn't know at the time is they meant that everyone with power should unite against the rest of the country. Unity meant oligarchy. Oh, Doug Mackey learned that the hard way this morning. Mackey is a 31-year-old conservative journalist from Florida. At 7 a.m., FBI agents showed up at Mackey's house. They threw him in handcuffs and they dragged him to a cell. He now faces 10 years in prison. His crime? He made fun of powerful Democrats on social media. As the federal criminal complaint puts it, quote, Mackey made coordinated use of social media to spread disinformation relevant to the impending 2016 presidential election. This disinformation, the Biden administration solemnly explained, quote, often took the form of memes. Yes, memes. Online mockery. Mockery online is now illegal when it's aimed at the wrong people. Doug Mackey hurt their feelings, so they put him in jail. According to Joe Biden's Justice Department, Doug Mackey violated 18 U.S. Code Section 241. He did this by tricking people, like the dastardly trickster that he is, into not voting in the presidential election. What's interesting is that prosecutors showed no evidence whatsoever that Doug Mackey actually tricked anyone into anything, voting or not, not a single person. But that doesn't matter, shrieks CNN. Doug Mackey is a bad person with bad views. And by the way, we have no idea what Doug Mackey's views are. We don't care. What CNN is telling us is that those views are a crime. He's a criminal. Lock him up. Give him a longer sentence than we give to rapists, which they're trying to do. As of tonight, that is the official position of the lynch mob channel. But hold on a minute, as a legal matter. Have you ever read 18 U.S. Code Section 241? Probably not, but you should. Look it up. When you read it, you will learn that Joe Biden's Justice Department is lying in a very obvious way, and that should make you very nervous. It turns out that federal law does not ban memes, or for that matter, misinformation, whatever that is. The law that Biden's prosecutors are citing instead prohibits, quote, conspiring to injure, oppress, threaten, or intimidate anyone from exercising the right to vote. According to the law, that would include kidnapping voters, invading their homes, sexually abusing them. Doug Mackey didn't do any of that, not even close to any of that. Doug Mackey made memes. Therefore, he's a domestic terrorist. Speech is violence. Dissent is a felony. What you may be wondering, does a case like this mean for the First Amendment? Well, it means that it's effectively suspended. You can now be arrested for saying the wrong things. And at 7 a.m. this morning, one journalist actually was arrested for that. 
almost no one tonight seems to be defending him. He had bad thoughts. He deserves it. They think it's okay. And that shouldn't surprise you. Because we're clearly living under some form of martial law at the moment. How do we know that? Well, here's one indication. There are nearly 10,000 federal troops in our capital city tonight. Ooh, that's the hint. Why are they there? How long will they be staying? No one is being very specific about any of that, so you're left to draw your own conclusions, which people naturally are. And by the way, it's not making anyone more moderate. If you're really worried about extremism, you probably wouldn't put 10,000 federal troops in your capital city, making everyone more radical and crazy. But they don't care about that. The point of this whole highly militarized exercise is to remind you of what Chairman Mao once famously said. Political power grows from the barrel of a gun. Unfortunately, that is true in every country at all times. Connecticut Senator Chris Murphy is no genius, but he does understand that. As he explained today, as long as his political opponents exist, those soldiers will stay. The threat to the country is not over, right? We still have 5,000 National Guard members surrounding the Capitol complex. Why? Because there are still existing threats, present threats to the security of the Capitol. Uh, and so, so long as Donald Trump is empowered by Senate Republicans, there is still the chance that he is going to incite another attempt uh, at the Capitol. The threat is still very real to American democracy. So as long as there are people in this country who persist in disagreeing with Chris Murphy, explains Chris Murphy, we're going to need to keep thousands of heavily armed soldiers on the scene. Why specifically? Because, and we're quoting now, the threat is still very real to American democracy. But wait, democracy requires soldiers? We thought it was voluntary. If you're starting to think that maybe someone at some point secretly redefined the term democracy, changing its meaning to roughly 180 degrees from what it was just last year, you may be onto something. What we're looking at now is not democracy in the classical Athenian sense, where everyone gets to vote and the voice of everyone matters equally. No. What we're looking at now is instead democracy in the 1970s Eastern Bloc People's Democratic Republic sense. This new version of democracy is a democracy where everyone fervently agrees with the people in power or else they go immediately to jail. Doug Mackey's problem, it turns out, is that he didn't properly understand what democracy is. Thankfully, Congressman Tim Ryan of Ohio does understand it, and he explained it to us today. We're not letting those soldiers go home, Tim Ryan said, until they do what our special operations forces did in Iraq and Afghanistan. Watch this. Who in our government, in our military, have had experience around uh, crowd control, maybe even special operations forces in, in Iraq and Afghanistan? Like, how can we learn everything we need to learn to reset the posture on Capitol Hill? And, and we're not going to let the National Guard go home, uh, or we're not, not going to create an unsafe environment for the country's business until we have that figured out. Oh, they're specialists in controlling unruly populations. We get it. Rather than answer our questions or improve our lives, you're bringing in people with guns to remind us that you're in charge and dissent is illegal. But, you know, Doug Mackey's a special case. He's a journalist and he has opinions from 2016. Aren't there some kind of statutory limits on memes like there are for rape? 
Here's an excerpt about a non-journalist, a regular citizen, who has been canceled by the cultural left. Glenn Beck has this story. Uh, let me tell you the uh, latest blacklist campaign. Vox and other far-left uh, media outlets, this is according to uh, Breitbart today, are trying to blacklist Kara Dumplin. Now, she's a mommy blogger. I didn't know what mommy bloggers are, but apparently she's a big one. She has 1.3 million Instagram followers, and she appears to specialize in helping new mothers get their babies to sleep. According to her biography, she is a mom of four, neonatal nurse, wife of a pediatrician, and a certified pediatric sleep consultant. She has been featured in People magazine. Also, she's been on Good Morning America. Well, if you do a search for her, there is nothing that she has ever done that's controversial. Why are they blacklisting her? Her Instagram account is stridently apolitical and geared toward her clients and businesses. But we're in the McCarthy age. She holds unapproved opinions. She has donated to an unacceptable candidate. This is what they are saying now. A popular baby sleep expert on Instagram donated to Donald Trump. Oh, no. Where does that leave new parents? This is according to, Fo uh, to Vox. Um, finding out that an Instagram influencer you love holds a wildly different worldview than you do can feel weirdly personal. Now imagine the disappointing influencer had not only impacted your style or home decor, but some of the most intimate decisions of your life. Someone you have turned to for advice on motherhood, pregnancy, or postpartum depression. That's what happened with thousands of moms on the internet last week when the baby sleep expert Kara Dumplin known by her admittedly brilliant nom de plume taking care of babies taking care of babies and her Instagram account of more than 1.3 million followers was revealed to have donated multiple times to the Trump campaign January 19th and 20 parenting forums and new mom groups chat uh, chats lit up after word began spreading on Twitter, Instagram, and Reddit that Dumbelin and her pediatrician husband had donated a total of almost $2,000 to the Trump campaign in 2019 and again in 2020. They put the Federal Elections Commission data in a screenshot on Twitter and Facebook and the Parents went crazy. Now the babies aren't only crying, but all oh, these progressive parents are crying too. Taking care of baby star has risen directly alongside the importance of Facebook groups for new parents. For many new parents who uh, paid to have her online sleep courses, which range from $179 to $319, the Trump news has come as devastating. Some of the despondent mothers told Vox, quote, it's really hard for me to separate what I know about her. Now from the sleep advice that she gives, I, 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 I can't square that with a person who puts children in cages. Vox def defends some horrible blue mark, uh, blue check mark uh, named Dixler Canavan who apparently hired Dumplin at one time, but after learning about her Trump contributions, threatened to, quote, start giving away the PDFs from her course so no one I know has to give their money to her ever again. What's the message, America? As Breitbart writes, it's a nice business you got there. 
be a shame if something happened to it, you know? The far-left Salon is openly encouraging the blacklisting now. They wrote, Looks like the cancel culture is struck again, to which I say... Good. As a result, she has deleted her Facebook page and has been blacklisted by other baby influencers, such as the parenting site Big Little Feelings, who have 1.2 million followers of their own, Dina Margolin and Kristen Gallant, who run the Big Little Feelings account, unfollowed Dumplin and said they are disheartened by the news and they just cannot defend those donations to Donald Trump. <laughs> Who's asking them to? It's unbelievable. Dumbelin is now defending herself. <laughs> Taking care of babies is about helping babies get sleep and parents reclaiming the joy of parenthood that is also often lost due to sleep deprivation. Between 2016 and 19, I did make a series of donations totaling $1,078 to the Trump campaign. As with many citizens, there were tr aspects of the Trump administration that I agreed with and some that I disagreed with. I will continue to serve all parents by empowering them with the tools they need to help their babies sleep. And this woman was fired over her choice of social media. So we're kind of keep trying to keep track, give you some outline of the scope of the crackdown on civil liberties now underway. I'm trying to bring you individuals who suffered under it. Here's one. A literary agent in New York, works for a literary agency in the city, recently fired, not because of what she said online, but because she maintained accounts on Parler and Gab. Those are free speech alternatives to corporate social media. Dictators crack down on dissenting opinions of themselves. This kind of crackdown is exactly what the dictatorial left is doing to the right. The left's new weapon against the right is big tech. Here is Dr. Mercola. Restriction of free speech has accelerated in recent months when Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube took the unprecedented steps of silencing the U.S. president's social media accounts. Regardless of one's political affiliations, the move highlights the immense control that corporations have over online information and how it can be yielded to support or dismantle certain agendas. Zachary Voorhees, a big tech insider for more than eight years and former senior software engineer at Google and YouTube, said everything was great, and then something happened. Donald Trump won the election in 2016. In the first week after the 2016 election, Voorhees said that Google had an all-hands meeting. The company's CFO broke down in tears over the election results, while founder Sergey Brin said he was personally offended by them. In short, the bosses at Google were devastated by Trump's unexpected victory, and soon after, Voorhees said, the company took a hard left and abandoned liberal principles and went toward authoritarian management of products and services. Eventually, Voorhees realized Google appeared to be attempting a coup on the president. According to Voorhees, at the all-hands meeting that took place shortly after the 26th 
2015 presidential election, Google CEO Sundar Pichai said that one of the most successful things they had done during the election was applying machine learning to hide fake news. Machine learning is a type of artificial intelligence that's now behind Google's rampant censorship, thing they've dubbed machine learning fairness or ML fairness. For he said, they're not going to call their censorship regime something bad. They're going to call it something like fairness. So if you're against that, you're against fairness. It's a euphemism. I discovered there was this umbrella project, ML Fairness, and there were these subcomponents like Project Purple Rain, which is a 24-hour response team that is monitoring the Internet, he said. By 2017, Voorhees had uncovered more than 950 pages of confidential Google documents showing a plan to re-rank entire Internet based on Google's corporate values, using machine learning to intervene for fairness. He resigned in June 2019 and turned over the documents to the Department of Justice, not that that did much good, then released them to the public via Project Veritas to expose Google's censorship activities. Susan Wojcicki, the CEO of YouTube, made pushing down fake news and increasing authoritative news sound like a good thing. And then, when Voorhees looked at Google's design documents, the fake news they were censoring wasn't really fake. One method used by Google to censor free speech is through the Internet's sudden rise of fact-checkers. This is another form of censorship that's interfering with free discourse. Data from Duke University Reporters Lab shows that fact-check groups more than quadruple in number over five years from 44 to 195. Fact-checking now represents a multi-million dollar industry that stands to benefit certain interests. Facebook and Google are major funders of news organizations and fact-check efforts, spending hundreds of millions of dollars. The problem with labeling something as false and misleading information is the damage that occurs if said information is not actually false or misleading. When a banner pops up on social media warning readers that the content is false, most people will not click through. So you see what was learned by the collusion between social media like Facebook and the government that I pointed out last week? They studied us and found out how to outsmart most people. Here is Glenn Beck talking about Biden's oligarchs what scripture calls the merchants of the earth in Revelation 18 verses 3 and 11. Team Biden is well on its way to conducting a monumental shift in our nation that will change it forever. No longer will our most powerful leaders in government be beholden to you, the voter, but instead be beholden to a group of elite businesses, corporations, and international interests in a way from which we may never recover. Welcome to your new stakeholder government. 
Biden's cabinets, advisors, and closest allies now all sit on this country's board of directors. And they'll make decisions regardless of what you, the American citizen, desires. One of the pillars of the Great Reset is stakeholder capitalism. It is so vital that you understand what stakeholder capitalism is. Two weeks ago, we talked about the merging of government and private industry as part of the Great Reset, which the left cannot wait to accomplish while America is paralyzed by this stupid pandemic. The Biden administration is now applying the Great Reset concept of stakeholder capitalism to the government. And there's some disturbing news today. The administration is no longer accountable to you. Instead, it serves the interest of certain stakeholders. These stakeholders have a vested interest in the actions and policies of the government. Financial interest, ideological interest, and too often both. Now, hopefully you remember me talking in part one about a company called BlackRock. It is the largest investment firm in the world with almost $8 trillion under their management. There are enough connections between BlackRock and the new Biden administration to make a strong case that it is one of the stakeholders that I'm talking about. BlackRock is also influential in the Great Reset Uh, founded by Klaus Schwab and being talked about this week in Davos. Uh, BlackRock's CEO, Larry Fink, is on the board of trustees at the World Economic Forum. Fink was in the running to be Biden's Treasury Secretary, but he decided to stay at BlackRock instead. Other connections between BlackRock and the Biden White House include longtime Biden senior advisor Mike Donilon, whose brother, Thomas Donilon, is the chairman of BlackRock Investment Institute. He was also the national security advisor to President Obama. Then there's Brian Deese, most recently BlackRock's global head of sustainable investing, now the new director of the National Economic Council. And Wally Adiamo, he was the senior advisor at BlackRock, and now he's the deputy treasury secretary. And yet another BlackRock executive, global chief investment strategist Michael Pyle, has now been named chief economist to Vice President Harris. This means that Pyle and Brian Deese will be working closely together on policy, and they will be officially the first pair from the same Wall Street firm to have jobs as the top economic advisors to the president and vice president. Remember how everybody said how bad Goldman Sachs was? Even Goldman Sachs has never been in that position. I told you about BlackRock two weeks ago. I mentioned their plan to stop investing in any company that gets 25% or more of its revenue from coal operations. Sounds very noble and very green of them, right? Officially, BlackRock is totally on board with the big climate movement. I mean, you kind of have to be if you're involved in the Great Reset. But it's interesting that BlackRock doesn't uh, single out other fossil fuels in the same way. Could it have anything to do with the fact that BlackRock is the world's largest investor in fossil fuels? All right, so now let's get to big tech. They're going to be another major stakeholder in the Biden administration, and conservatives especially uh, really, really don't understand what that's going to mean. Um, We're starting to with the cancellation of Parler and the shutdown of Facebook and Twitter accounts. Landscape is changing, but I don't think you have any idea 
how bad it's going to get. The book of Revelation talks about the power of the merchants of the earth and how they will cry and whine when mystery Babylon is blown to pieces. Did you ever wonder how they would get that much power by the end of days? Here's a Breitbart article to shed some light. During Sunday's Life, Liberty, and Levin on Fox News Channel, Senator Josh Hawley, Republican from Missouri, warned of big corporations acting as the hand of the government. According to Hawley, Democrats are cheering on big tech companies and big corporations to use their unprecedented concentration of power to impose their viewpoints on the American public. The Democrats, they love what tech is doing, Hawley said. When tech destroyed Parler, destroyed a competitor, you talk about an antitrust violation. The Democrats cheered them on. They thought that was wonderful. When tech is out there censoring conservatives, kicking them off the platform, they thought that was wonderful. They want them to do more. What they basically want to do is use these corporations as the hand of government. Folks, it turns out that the governments of the earth will hand their authority over to the merchants of the earth in exchange for the merchants doing their bidding to harm citizens through censorship and spying on them. These merchants of the earth, thankfully, will have a very short-lived existence. The Jerusalem report is produced so that you can see the action from Yahweh's throne room perspective. Too many of our people are still possessed of the idea that they need to fight on the side of right. Wrong. Neither the left nor the right's views qualify as part of Yeshua's kingdom. He has no place in his kingdom for atheists. His people, who are trapped in religion, do have a place there through the blood price that bought them for those who believe in him. But they will have to give up religion and repent of their sins committed while adhering to those religions. And what is the alternative to religion? Being a citizen of biblical Israel. Start being an Israelite instead of a Jew, Christian, or Muslim. Start obeying every commandment and have the testimony of Yeshua. It is imperative that Yahweh's bride step away from this battle between the right and left. We have no part in that. This is now Yahweh's war. We must wait for him and his heavenly hosts to come and conquer all the world, both the religious world of Jacob's end-time descendants, who are trapped in the falseness of Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, and their atheistic enemies. Folks, America is Babylon. Israel is Babylon. Come out of her in every way there is available to do that, including removing your body from the danger zone. So come out of her, oh my people, for the time has come to 
Update. This is Kimberly Rogers Brown signing off. Click over to BeastWatchNews.com for full, comprehensive coverage of all the headlines fulfilling end of days Bible prophecy.